that kind of stuff. But when it's all said and done, it's about worshiping God and it's about hearing his word. Amen. Those are the things that uh, I believe really matter. And, you know, I'm, and Jesus told us to occupy till he comes. And I just want to make sure we don't get preoccupied till he comes. You know what I mean? There's a lot of distracting things that can go on in life, and sometimes we just have to boil it all down and uh, just say, you know what, God, it's just all about you. I don't care what happens. I don't care if we don't have words on the screen. I don't care if the guitar is broken and out of tune. I don't care uh, if the power is off. We're just going to worship God. Amen? This is why we're here. We are the church, and um, obviously we've still got some people that are still wrapping up vacations and all that kind of stuff, but... um, Thank God that you guys are here. Thank God that I can be here and deliver, hopefully, a word in due season. I hope you're blessed by this today. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little out of sorts because um, earlier this week, God kind of shifted my stuff. All of July, uh, I was studying and preparing to minister on love. Uh, You know, I remember when we came out of the Immovable series in June, talking about the church and different things, and there were a lot of things that seem to be taking place almost every week as we're ministering that series. And um, I told you that, uh, you know, what we need today as a church is we need to know how to love people. We need to know how to love the way God loves. We need to know how to love in the midst of sin and in the midst of darkness. How do we uh, love the sinner and hate the sin, right? You know, that's such a, we we, we throw that out, such a cliche statement, but it's very rarely done and done properly. Um, and appropriately. And so I was really studying in that vein. I thought I had some pretty good stuff. And earlier this week, God kind of shifted some things for me. And um, I believe that we'll get to it possibly in September. I think it's going to set us up for some stuff. October will mark four years for this church. And in the middle of October, we'll have a special uh, anniversary service. And I think this series, uh, I believe this is a series that we're getting into in the month of August. And then September uh, possibly hit on some stuff on love. And I think it's going to build right up into our anniversary month, our anniversary service. And um, so kind of bear with me today um, as we go through this. But the vein that the Lord has kind of shifted me in is in the vein of generosity, in the vein of generosity. And um, we'll talk about money because that's obviously part of it. But um, I, I want to focus on a generous church and, and what that means uh, to be generous, what that means to be a giver. Um, I, I think in this day and age, there is a danger uh, where we come to church to get more than we come to church to give. Um, the title of my message today is Get to Give. Get to Give. Um, but what I'm afraid of is that there is a culture in the church that's shifting to where I give to get. I give to get. It's the other way around. And so, again, I'm still trying to piece this all together. And any time that I talk about finance and any time I talk about money, I I feel like I'm littering it with disclaimers, especially with our church, um, because our church does not fit the statistical mode of 8 to 10% giving within the church. Um, This church, I can honestly tell you because I look at it, I see it, that this church is more around 85 to 90 percent giving. And I mean giving consistently, not just every now and then and not just what I have uh, left over. Uh, We're not just giving God leftovers. Um, I can tell you right now, everything that we have done in the last three and a half, almost four years now, we've done with no credit. Everything's been done with no debt. Everything has been paid for up front. Every project, uh, for some of you may not know this, but these two units didn't look anything like this when we moved in here three and a half years ago. There was nothing here, nothing on the walls, nothing on the carpet, or nothing on the ground. There was no carpet. Uh, uh, Everything that has been done, probably close to fifteen, maybe $17,000 worth of stuff has been all all been done by cash. And I know that's a small amount, uh, you know, relative. I mean, you know, we don't have a super large body. Um, uh, You know, I feel like it's a large amount for us. Um, but, you know, when, when I minister in this vein, uh, you know, there's always that kid in the class, looking at my teacher here, there's always that kid in the class 
that's just the perfect student. I mean, they do everything. They show up on time. They've got their books out ready to go. They're, they are, uh, they, they study. They make great grades. They're not a disturbance or an annoyance. Who is that kid? Come on, it's okay. You don't have to be shy. One here, Miss Ashley over here, Brandy. Just in the back of the corner of the room, you know, you're, you're not disturbing anybody. You're just doing your stuff, making your peace. And, and what we, what's, what's dangerous is we can run the risk of neglecting that one for the sake of the ones that are disturbing and annoying, right? The ones that are cutting up and they're getting all the attention. And we got the good kid in the class just like, here I am. Nobody notices me. And so this is one of those topics where I feel, you know, uh, that, you know, our church does phenomenal in. But I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the church universally. And I'm talking about more than just money. I want you to hear more. Everyone's saying more than money. Okay, so you you know now. You've already said it out of your own mouth. You know I'm not just talking about money today or through this series. But obviously money uh, plays a large role in this. Let's look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We are on version, by the way. Mr. Chuck, I got us on version. So if you've got your devices, Chuck asks me probably almost every service. And it's not something I'm very diligent with. But I know it's helpful, especially if you have an iPhone, iPad, or, you know, some type of, device a smart device a dumb device whatever you can pull it up there and you can follow along with our points and with our notes and um, again i hope that i can minister this with clarity today look at verse one second corinthians chapter eight verse one paul is writing to the church at corinth he's writing to believers he says here moreover brethren we make known to you the grace of god bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, let me set this up for you. Macedonia and Corinth, they're, they're kind of rivals, okay? So, so Paul knows that he's going to hit a point here if he brings up Macedonia. He's requesting offerings from the churches to be sent to the church in Jerusalem. And so if he tells the church at Corinth, here's what the people in Macedonia have been doing, he knows that this is going to rival some stuff and say, hey, if that's what they're doing, we can do better. We can do more. We can do what they're doing, Okay. And so he says, this is what's been going on in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. In the midst of great trial and affliction, their deep poverty, yet their abounded Riches of their liberality for I bear witness that according to their ability everyone say ability According to their ability. Yes, and beyond their ability everyone say beyond ability So we've got ability and then beyond ability. Yes beyond their ability. They were freely willing imploring us with much urgency That we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints I have not seen this. I haven't been pastoring very long, but I've been in church for a long time. I've been in church for uh, 32 years and nine months. And so uh, I'm 32 years old, so that tells you how long I've been in church. Um, and I, I've never seen, I don't know if I've ever been in a service where the body has urged, urgently asked the pastor, please take my offering. Please, don't, don't let me leave. Without giving. Now, I have a four-year-old son, so I, I feel that I have somewhat of an idea of what urgency means. Um, you know, the words we will see are probably, it's probably the worst sentence you could tell a four-year-old. We, can I have this, Daddy? Can I get this, Dad? We will see. Don't ever say that. Because that means that you will get nagged urgently until that thing takes place. That's the most ridiculous statement to tell a four-year-old. We will see. But here Paul is saying that the church is urgently requesting, let us give, let us invest, let us sow to these churches. To these churches, let us help out. Verse 5, and not only as we had hoped, but they first first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. By the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. 
But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. He's telling the church at Corinth, you need to give like they give. He's, he's setting them up here. He's saying, look, this is how the Macedonians have responded to the churches that have needed help. They sowed. They invested. They were urgently asking us, how can we, how can we get involved? How can we support? See, you've got to understand that you don't give to the church. You give through the church. They're not trying to find out how we can give to the church. They're finding out how can we give to God. It says they first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord. You are giving to God, but through the vehicle that God has placed in the earth, the local body church. You're never giving just to the church. This is about supporting the work of God. This is about supporting what God is doing. It, it, it can be very easy to just boil it down to just natural. I'm giving to keep the lights on and to allow Anchor Faith Church to do outreach in the community and allow them to be supportive and, and, and allow to help people uh, within the body. There's times when we've helped people in the body. We've helped buy uh, vehicle parts for people in this church. We have helped people with utilities within this church. We've, we're a support system. The local body church ought to be supporting something, especially in these last days. And so you're not just giving to the church, you're giving through the church. You're using the very vehicle that God placed in the earth, and that is what we're supporting. We're supporting the work that God is doing through Anchor Faith Church. But it says they first gave themselves the tithe. Let's just go ahead and define the tithe. The, the, the tithe simply is 10%. But I want to I wanna take it a little bit deeper for you. It's the first 10%. The first 10%. Now, this always bothered me. Because how do you know if it's first? Like, what, what does that mean to be the first 10% of something? That always bothered me. And, and then God revealed this to me over in Matthew chapter 6. I don't have it, but you can just jot it down. Matthew chapter 6, God, God says this. Jesus says this. He says, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. The first is in your heart. The first isn't necessarily what you give. The first is how you give it. What does that mean? Let me just make it practical. So you get your paycheck. And we sit down and we have the big number at the top. And then we start filling in all the little numbers, right? And we're doing the math and doing the budget and whatever. And then we figure out how much we have left after we've reduced all the little numbers from the big numbers. So we have 800 to start with, and then we have a $150 car payment. Use, I know I'm using really small numbers right now. I know that. But you, you, we start with 800, and we reduce the 150. And then we've got an electric bill of 125, and we take that out. And then we know we need about 200 for groceries, and we take that out. And then we figure out what we have left. But the first isn't what you give, it's how you give. The first thing you ought to mark off as soon as that check comes in is 10%. So the first thing is 800. I'm already reducing that by $80. And then we go from there. And see, that's the thing that nobody else knows except you and God. I don't know. When you put your tithe uh, in the offering, I don't know if you did all the math of what needed to be paid and then said, oh, good, I have tithe left over this week. Or if you said, this tithe is coming out regardless of whatever else shows up, I'm giving the tithe, and God's going to be. Here's why you give the 10%. You give the 10% for two reasons. Number one, you give 10% because God owns 100. He owns all of it. It all belongs to him. Number two, you give the 10% because if you give the 10%, you're acknowledging that he's going to cover the other 90 See, you don't want to have 90% if you haven't given God the 10%. You don't want to have 100% if you haven't given God the 10%. I have found this to be true in my life. And, and look, I grew up in the middle of the era, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to be a little more open than usual through this, um, be a little more candid. I almost feel like I'm just kind of straight talking you. Um, but... When it comes to money in church, I heard a pastor say this recently. He said, 
Church is the only place where we have a hard time talking about money. Nobody else in the world has a hard time talking about money. Politicians right now are doing their little campaign stuff, and they have no problem digging through their past and finding out how much money they're worth and what they've spent money on and even raising money for their silly little campaigns that they're doing right now. We've got businesses have no problem talking about money. And then when we get in church, for some reason, money is like a hot topic. We can't talk about that. We can't bring that up. I recently, just a couple weeks ago, got a, a, a Facebook message from somebody that does not go to this church. And um, they, they, and this, this doesn't happen very often, but I got this little Facebook message that I guess they listen to our messages online, which, thank God, they do, you know. But it's important to have a local body church. It's important to be connected with something. Our messages online are never a substitute for being in service. Uh, you know, we, we've had people say, hey, we've been listening to you online, and so we want to come and check, check you out and find out who you're about. Uh, we have people that are out of state that listen to us. Uh, we have different people uh, that, you know, just like to listen to us. But it, it's not a replacement, not a substitute for being hooked up with the local body church. And so I had an individual, you know, just recently Facebook message, and it was encouraging, thanking God for what we're doing in Valdosta, what we're doing in the communities. But this individual made this statement. They said, I would be careful how often you reference money in your messages because people that don't have any, it might, it might destroy their faith. So that was it. And, and then they went on a tangent, you know, with, with other stuff. You know, I, I don't reply back to that stuff. I, I really, it, it doesn't really get to me. You know, when, once you come into this position, you gain some tough skin about some things. But, you know, there's a few responses I had. Number one, we don't really talk about money that much. Um, number two, it's never out of balance. Because if I mention your finances, I'm also mentioning me, me, uh, uh if I mention your finances, I'm also mentioning your marriage, mentioning your job, uh, mentioning your kids and, and how you raise them. How you, uh, we, it's never out of balance, and it's always proportionate to everything else we talk about. Uh, number three, you don't know the heart of our church because if you knew our church and, and you came to our church and you were really hooked up with our church, you'd find out that they love hearing about money because our church is a bunch of givers. They love hearing about how God's going to meet their needs and, and how if I honor God's word in, in sowing and investing in the kingdom, he's going to put it right back to me. He's taking care of all my stuff. He's Lord. He's got it all under control anyways. So there's some things you, you miss when you just hear us online and don't really know the heart uh, of that's why we don't, on our website, we don't put out our tenets of faith and what we believe and this and that. Because what happens is, is people build this picture about who you are based upon a past or other churches they've come in, and they don't get to know you. You need to get to know me. You need to experience Anchor Faith Church. You need to get to know our people, get to know our staff, get to know our volunteers and our team members and, and everyone that is supporting the work at Anchor Faith Church. There's so much you miss when we just read stuff and and become disengaged in that. But when we talk about money, you know, one thing that I heard a pastor say years ago that really set me as a pastor in ministry is anything that you're not willing to minister on as a pastor, you can expect your church to be hurting in. Because faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. So if I don't minister on finance, you're going to struggle in finance. If I don't minister on parenting, you're going to struggle with your kids. If I don't minister on marriages, you're going to struggle in your marriage. If I don't minister on uh, uh, you know, how to operate as an employee or as an employer, you're going to struggle in those areas. That's just the bottom line. And Paul said, I, 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 I have not failed to give you the whole counsel of God's word. The whole counsel. And so the thing that we have to understand is that that tithe, that first 10%, is God's. He's already carved it out. It belongs to him. Now, we don't do this because of law. In fact, we don't do anything in the kingdom because of law. We do it because of love. Jesus came. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to fulfill the law. We don't give 10% because I have to. I give 10% because I get to. 
And I go above and beyond that because I get to. We talk about get to give. Get to give. I grew up uh, in an era in the 90s where there were money problems in the church. I mean, I, I could list names. Probably some of you have heard them between the 80s and 90s of just absolute failures when it came to finances. There were several right where I grew up in the Dallas, Texas area. Just all over, just getting money, raising money, and then doing whatever they wanted or supporting themselves or going on vacations and all this silly stuff. Now, the thing that we have to keep in mind is that just because it's a bigger church doesn't mean they don't have the same issues or struggles that a smaller church might have. I know a pastor right now that has fifteen to 20,000 member church. Fifteen to 20,000 member church. I mean, massive building. They've got campuses. They've got uh, multiple sites. They've, I mean, they, they've got way more technology and way more stuff than we do. But right now, just a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, he went before his church and said, we have had some of the greatest attendance numbers our church has ever seen. But we have also missed budget for the last two months. And that's because he's in the second poorest state in the United States of America. And his church is in a city where the region is taught to take what you can get. Live on welfare for the rest of your life. Live off the government for the rest of your life. Don't, you don't have to go get a job because if you go get a job, that means they won't pay for your stuff anymore. That's where he's at. And so he's having to confront the culture. He's having to confront a mindset because if we don't change your mind, we don't change your life. You don't change the way you live until you change the way you think. And so he has to change the way these people view money. And so even though he has, and I got to sit under him about four or five years ago, and he made this statement. He says, I have the same problems you have. I just have more zeros behind it. You're, you're trying to pay a $400 electric bill, and I'm trying to pay a $40,000 electric bill. You're trying, to, you're trying to figure out you know, how you're going to keep four people on staff, and I'm trying to keep, figure out how I'm going to keep 40 people on staff. Your budget's 400000 and my budget's you know, $40 million, whatever. It's just got more zeros behind it. And, and so I grew up in, in this day and age and seeing these ministers, seeing these pastors, a lot of them that were wrong. But at the same time, I, I've learned to realize if I've gotten older that a lot of these pastors that are wealthy and that have things and their churches are doing great, a lot of them were just smart people with money. They were just good businessmen that understood how to handle finances, how to make money, how to turn money and make a profit and invest in these type of things. I mean, there are some natural things that you can put with this. It's not all, you know, just hold out your hand and expect God. A, a lot of Christians treat God like a lot of people treat our government as a handout. And we've got to figure out in our churches the law of investment and the law of sowing and reaping. Because that's the bottom line, guys, is, is that what you put in comes back. God honors that. And what you don't put in comes back. The law works both ways. And so Paul is talking to the church here, and he's talking about a church that's generous. A church that's generous. Now, I have discovered this in life, that there are three types of people when it comes to money. Three types of people when it comes to money. Number one, there are people that have no control. If they have it, they spend it. It burns a hole in their pocket. They can't hold on to it. Uh, they will rack up you know, every credit card they can find. Uh, and when they rack up that one, they'll go get another one. And there's just no control. And then there are those that have self-control. Those that know how to wisely use money. Those that are able to withhold those things that those that are able to save up today for tomorrow 
instead of spending today and not having anything tomorrow. But then I have found out that there's another layer, another level that we have to learn to get to. And there are those who have given God control of their money. See, you made Jesus the Lord of your life. The Lord, the Lord, Lord, Lordship, Lordship, like a landlord. Like you don't own it, you just manage it. And until we get this concept in our minds when it comes to our money, and money's the hardest one to make Jesus the Lord of. In fact, Jesus himself said, you've got to be careful because you can't serve God and money. Money makes a great slave, but a terrible master. And if we live for the paycheck and live for the dollar and we're moved by what the bank account says and moved by what the money says rather than moved by what God says about it, He's not in control of it. Remember I said just a minute ago, 100% of it belongs to God. I heard a minister say this. He said, you can never give the tithe. If you go and look in Malachi chapter 3, it does not say give the tithe. It says bring all the tithe. Bring, bring. Why? Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. See, you're not giving. You're actually returning. This is the mindset we have to get, church. This is the mindset. And again, disclaimer, I'm not saying this because we're doing horrible financially. I can tell you this right now, in, in the last three and a half years, and I believe that we'll end this year the same way we've ended the last, we have increased every year in our giving. But what I've discovered is money is an area that we can easily become complacent, even in giving in church. Some of, some of us, the tithe is nothing anymore. I've been in both places. I've been in the place where the tithe was difficult to give. I'm just going to be candid with you. There were times where I decided, you know what, I, can, I really need the extra 10%, and I'm going to keep it. And I withheld it. I've done that. Not recently. <laughs> but growing up in my walk with the Lord, there's, it's easily saying, you know, I, I really need, I need more than what this says. I really need that 10%. I, I really need that extra. And so I've kept it. And I've, I've been like Paul. I, I've known what it means to be a base, and I know what it means to, to abound. There was a time in our lives before I got into ministry where my wife and I, we were doing really well. Doing really well. Easy to give the tithe. And so I had to get stretched in that area. I had to figure out how to go above that. And then there were times where I was... At the bottom, like when I got hired on full-time at the church, and I cut my paycheck in half, and she cut hers over in half when she went on with the preschool down there. The sacrifices that we made, we had to uh, make the decision, we're not going to live on credit anymore. And for the last four years, th this is just us. This isn't to put anything on you. This isn't for condemnation. But for the last four years, we've paid cash for everything including vehicles. That's just where God put us because credit for us was a stronghold. It wasn't something that freed us. I'll just be honest with you. Her and I, we're not the greatest with self-control and finances. Thank God we're doing better than we had in the past. But, you know, for me, if it's there, why not spend it? What are we saving for? The only time that I even see God telling somebody in the Bible to save was Joseph when he said, there's seven bad years coming, so you need to save up for seven good years. And, and, and I'm a God that I just like to meet needs. I got to be careful even on the church side, because if I see a need, I just, dude, let's do it. Let's get it done. But I got to listen to the inward witness, listen to the Holy Spirit as he directs me and guides me and say, hey, you know, we're going to hold back on this. We're going to put aside for this. And I'm going to tell you right now that the Lord is beginning to stretch me as a pastor and stretch us as a church, and that's why we're ministering this. Because there are some things in the works, even right now, that I will not go into detail about, that are big, huge, bigger than we've ever looked at for this church to this date. We're not even looking, we're not even talking tens of thousands, we're not talking hundreds of thousands. Now, I talked to Pastor Earl about that stuff at St. Augustine, and he thinks, whatever, because he's in the millions now. He's trying to purchase them all for $11 million, and so he's, you know, I talked to him about this, and he's like, dude, go get it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
My budget is not your budget. It's all relative. So we've got to be people that give God control when it comes to finances. And there's dangers on both sides. There's dangers with the ones that don't have any control. And there's also dangers with the ones that have self-control. Because the only way you will be blessed is when you give God control. When it comes to money, a lot of times we use this statement. Well, I had good intentions. Or even this statement. God knows my heart. But I've discovered this, that a good heart and bad habits do not produce blessings. A good heart and bad habits do not produce blessings. So at some point, as a church, we have to get over on this, this money deal. We've got to be able to discover, I need the blessing of God in my finances. God, do you understand that they can't pay you enough? They can't pay you enough. There's no job in this world that can pay you what you're worth because you're a king. You're royalty. You're in the kingdom of God. You're a child of God. What in the world are you doing putting a dollar amount on what you're worth? It's way more than that. Now look at this in verse 8. I speak not by commandment. I'm not telling you this because you have to do it. I'm not telling you this because it's the law and there's something that's going to, you know, it's punishable by death, you know. He says, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. He said, uh, basically he's saying this, um, Travis isn't here today, uh, but if you know Travis Bowles, uh, big dude. You, you don't want to run into him in a dark alley. Uh, dude's in the gym probably twice a day. Uh, he's a personal trainer as well. And so if I got him up here next to me, and, and, and I told you what I could bench or what I could lift, and then he tells you, what he could bench or what he could lift, well, mine would seem pretty small. <laughs> i just go ahead and tell you. I'm not as strong as he is. He's been doing it for a long time. He knows what he's doing when he gets in the gym. And so, uh, you know, my amount might look small to his. And so what, what he's doing is, is I can get in there and I can lift all that I can lift. I can push weight and, and say, this is my max. This is it. I'm going to get two reps of this up. And I'm just going to push with everything I have. And that's all I have to give. I've given, I've even gone beyond. I'm pushing myself. I got a spotter that's saying, come on, you can do this. And he's giving me a little bit of help here. And I'm trying to max out as much as I can lift. And even though my max might not be his max, I'm giving what I can give. I'm I'm doing what I can do. And so Paul here is challenging them. And saying, not that you need to give what they give, what they gave. But he's saying you need to give how they gave. That's what he's identifying here. He's saying, I'm I'm testing the sincerity of your heart. By putting you up against the diligence of others. He's not talking about amounts in dollars. He's talking about the amount of the heart. How did they give? In the midst of trial and adversity, it tells us. In the midst of poverty, they found a way. Guys, I found this, that when it comes to scarcity, you, we never really identify God's sufficiency, sufficiency until we reach scarcity. Now, scarcity is different for everybody. There's really nothing different between the one that makes $200,000 a year and the one that makes $20,000 a year. They can both struggle with money. They can both have an improper use of money. They can both have an improper view of money. It's not about the dollar amount. It's about the heart. And it's not until we reach scarcity that we truly achieve God's sufficiency. Because here's the reason. If you only see your sufficiency, you'll never see God's sufficiency. If you're the one taking care of all your needs, then where does God come into play? And so he's identifying here with the Macedonians. He's saying these these guys gave sacrificially. Remember I had you repeat after me. I said ability, 
and beyond ability. And it said that they gave according to their ability. They gave what they could. And then it says they even went beyond their ability. That's called sacrifice. That's called sacrifice. And it's in the sacrifice that we see God's sufficiency. It's in the sacrifice where we see God meet our needs. You know these verses, Philippians chapter 4, 13. I'll just read them to you real quick as uh, Brent throws them on the screen. I can do all things through who? Christ, who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. That means I can do some things on my own, but I can do all things through Christ. And so which of us are the ones doing some things on our own? Or which of us are allowing ourselves to be stretched in an area of sacrifice so that we can see God show up on our part? You skip on down to verse 19. It says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply my needs. God wants to be the supplier of your needs. He wants to be the one to meet your needs. He doesn't want us being self-sufficient. He doesn't want us just having all the control, and then we can chalk it up as, look what God's doing, when really we're not stepping into faith. And God is moved, God is pleased by faith. Look at this in the New Living Translation. It reads like this, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Jesus. So there is a support that we've got to lean on God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know these verses. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That means you've got to allow yourself to get vulnerable sometimes. That means you've got to allow yourself to get to a weak place sometimes. And that's when his strength is made perfect. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest Upon me. Verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, uh, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Notice now he's twisted and he says, Now I'm strong. If you really want to be strong, you've got to allow yourself to first get, get weak. That's where you really become strong because you're strong when you lean on God. You're strong when you. Allow God to be your supply and allow God to be your sufficiency. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I heard one person make this statement. I'm going to quit giving this person credit because by now I'm just going to start taking ownership of it. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But the problem is, is your money is attached to your heart. God gets access to your heart by getting access to your wallet. And, and, and God doesn't want you to give more. God doesn't just want you to give more. He wants you to give different. He wants you to give differently. We're talking about the how. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about a generous church. And there's multiple ways to be generous. I can be generous with my time. I can be generous with my investment. I can be generous in, in, in what I sow. One, one reason why we're going down this vein is because while I was studying love, this statement came across to me. You've never loved something that you weren't willing to invest in. You've never loved something that you weren't willing to take some time with. You've never loved someone that you weren't willing to take time. You know because you were falling, falling in love with the individual. That's why you stayed up till 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning on the phone, not even saying anything with the person that you're married to now or the person that you're dating now. You're, not, you're just listening to each other snore. Why? Because I just want to spend some time. I just want to make some investment. So if that means laying on this pillow with the phone over here like this or putting the phone here on speakerphone or whatever you, whatever silliness you did until 5 o'clock in the morning then you, you let the phone hang up or whatever you do. Why? Because I want to spend time. You're investing. You never love something that you weren't willing 
to invest in. So he says, I'm testing the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became, full, became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now he's not talking about financially here. Rich means his inter- eternal status. He had everything in heaven. And he reduced himself to mankind when he came to the earth, became poor. Sacrifice. You realize that even God invests in what he loves. He's not asking you to do something he wouldn't do himself. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. His generosity was a picture of his heart. Now here's the exciting thing. Genesis 1 verse 26 tells me that you and I are created in his image, in his likeness. We have the nature of God. That means you have to fight the urge not to give. You, by nature, spiritual nature, new nature, I know on the outside this old nature says keep it, get it, take it, don't let it, don't let it go out of your hands, hang on to it. But your new nature knows that the nature of God is if you want to get in return, you have to give. Watch this. Jesus was sown as a seed into the ground, one son. God took that seed, put it in the ground. Because he knew if I sow a son, I will reap back many sons. And now he has you and I, children of God. All because he planted one seed. Don't ever devalue one seed out of generosity. Don't ever devalue, diminish the investment that you give when it's given with the right heart. When it's given with the right heart. Verse 10. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage. It's to your advantage. It's better for you. Not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. You realize that God only asks you to do stuff that will make you better. It's to your advantage. It's to your advantage. To... Be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. But now, now, you must also complete. Don't just have good intentions. Don't just have good intentions. You wanted to do it a year ago. But now you must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind... It is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. A lot of times when it comes time to give, we look at what we don't have versus what we do have. And we have to change that mindset. We normally walk through the doors thinking about what I do not have to give. If I threw out a number to you right now, a lot of you would feel the weight by yourself of that one number. Say it's $200,000. I say, we need to raise $200,000. And, and, and here's what we do. We, we immediately, just by evil nature, we, we go to, I don't have $200,000. Rather than thinking, I've got $100,000. I've got $100,000. That'll put a dent in the $200,000. We, we don't. We always diminish and, and, and devalue what we have for what we don't have. And there's no way I would ask anybody, one individual, I need you to give $200,000. Now, when I grew up, you know, some of these ministers and pastors could throw out those numbers. like, uh, There are 10 people in this room that you, God's told me that you need to give $10,000. I remember there was a, a minister, Jesse Duplantis, actually. He's a hilarious guy. Uh, but uh, he was ministering, and he said he had just gotten saved, just got born again. The first service he goes to, Kenneth Hagin is ministering, and Kenneth Hagin, uh, you, know, you know, said by the Spirit of God, not by himself, but by the Spirit of God, said uh, there are a certain amount of individuals that are to give this certain amount of money. And he had it because he was, you know, he, he had money. And, and he had it. And he said God spoke to him and said, you're one of them. And... Uh, uh, and so he obviously struggled with that. He just came into the kingdom. He's thinking, there's 
no way I'm giving up $10,000 right here on the spot, $10,000. And uh, then somebody on the stage said, uh, if you give $10,000, you can come up here and you can shake so-and-so's hand. And he said, I'll take the $10,000, put it in one hand, shake my own hand, and keep my $10,000. <laughs> that sounds better to me. But what happens is, is we end up looking at what we don't have versus what we do have. And God's not looking to you to meet all of it. He's just looking for you to give all that you have. All that you have. We're stretching today. For if there is first a willing mind, verse 12, it is accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Guys, you might not get to choose how much you get, but you always get to choose how much you give. You always get to choose what you give. And you're always in control of what you give. I'm sure if I asked the question, who here would like to make more money at your job, every hand would go up. I highly doubt there's anybody here that says, you know what, I'm actually maxed out, man. I, I couldn't handle anymore. Uh, you know, actually, I need to give some back. Uh, you know, we, I just, I, I can't even use up what I got. Everybody would choose to get more. But you may not get to choose how much you get, but you always get to choose what you give. And that's where God wants us. He asks for a percentage. And so he doesn't ask to give a certain dollar amount because if someone brings home a paycheck of $800 and the other one brings home a paycheck of $8,000 a week, it's the percentage. And each person may have just as much of a struggle giving that percentage. And that's just the tithe. We haven't even talked about offering, but offering comes in with generosity. Verse 13, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. Well, wait a minute. So I'm helping them out, but I'm, I'm lacking because I'm giving to them. And he says, I, I'm not saying that we're easing them. So now you're the one that's struggling and you're the one that's hurting. He's saying that the answer to ease them is, all the answer, is also the answer to ease you. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. But by inequality that now, at, at inequality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, and that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little, had no lack. We've got to be a church that's generous. We've got to be a church that wants to give, desires to give. There's multiple ways that we can give. There's multiple ways that we can be generous. But when it comes to finance, I believe that God's always wanting to stretch us. I don't think that God ever wants us to be comfortable when it comes to money. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't want us abounding and he doesn't want us having enough. God wants us to have an abundance. My God will supply all your needs. I mean, imagine your life right now if all your needs were met and you didn't have to think about it. Just imagine that. Every bill that you have, any debt that you owe, if it was all, that's what God wants. And the Bible also tells me that God can do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. God is not hurting. God doesn't need your money. He's walking on streets of gold. I know it can seem weird that God walking on streets of gold is asking you for something, but the only way he gets you is if he gets what's attached to you. That's how he becomes Lord. That's how he becomes Lord. That's how he becomes Lord. We don't give to get. 
we get to give. We get to give. Chase, if you'd come up. I don't know where you're at in this room. And, and again, none of this is for condemnation. None of this is, this is just an opportunity to identify. That's all. But we, we're always having to give things to God. And God's always asking. God's always asking. He's always asking for time. You know, there was a day where, you know, 30 minutes a day with God was good enough for me. But now that's, that's not good enough. He wants more. There, there, there was a day when doing this or doing that would cut it. But as you grow in your walk with God, there's an increase in all facets of your life. And our finances are no different. Our money is no different. And this isn't a pull for money. You don't even have to give. You don't have to give today. You don't have to give uh, ever, honestly. But the only reason you get to walk through this door and be in a place with AC and lights on is because there are faithful givers in this church. They give faithfully and consistently and, and honor God and honor his word and honor the opportunity to sow and invest in the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. We're not here just because uh, landlord said, hey, you're, you're doing a church. You got it, man. You know, maybe that's how God blesses some people, but our landlord didn't say that. Our landlord said, here's how much you can pay. And here's how long you'll pay it. And Georgia Power said, this is how much your electric's going to be. And they said, and, and they didn't come to me and say, now in the summertime when you're using it more often, we'll, we'll cut you some slack. No, they said, we're going to charge you the same rate everybody else does. But God is good, man. God is good. We're not lacking for anything. But I'm stretching us because I, I don't believe that four years in, we, we should have the same mentality about money that we had getting here. And, and a lot of what we've done has been setting up, setting us up for stuff and staging us up for stuff. But I can tell you right now, there are big things on the horizon. And I may get to make an announcement soon. I don't know. We'll see what God wants to do. But there are big things. And I know this, if it's not this one thing, it's something. Because I know we won't be here forever. The vision's too big. The vision's too great. I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do and I'm going to invest in whatever God tells me to invest in and I'm going to step out on whatever God is and I know it's going to be a step of faith it's always going to be a step of faith but for us as a church we've got to be able to identify how can I be stretched how can I be stretched how can I be stretched Father we, we want you to stretch us grow us we want to discover new facets, new avenues of how you can work in our lives. And, and this isn't pinning those that can give great with those that can give small. Father, this is about the heart of the individual that's sowing and investing in the kingdom of God. It's never been about money. You don't even care about money. You didn't even invent money. Money is a man-made system. Father, we know this, that we will never discover the answer to our finances without you. We never will. There's people that can be successful naturally and have done well naturally, but we'll never understand the proper use of finance until we discover your word on it. So, Father, open our hearts through these messages. And as we open our hearts, it'll open our giving. It'll open what we can access. It'll open how we can support the kingdom of God. Father, we give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We have uh, our ushers moving now. If you need an offering envelope, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Our ushers will get you one. As always, we appreciate your support.
in your giving. Hallelujah. God is doing something great at Anchor Faith Church. God is doing something great in Lowndes County. He's doing something great right here in Mount Austin. Amen. Uh, if you have not hooked up with uh, the ministry, with the church, um, you're going to have that opportunity this coming weekend, Saturday, August 8th, I believe it is. Saturday, August 8th, we have Vision Partnership coming up. Vision Partner is uh, simply our church membership class. This is an opportunity for you to come discover who we are, what we're about, uh, uh, why we're here, why my wife and I moved up here to, to start this move of God, and to figure out how, to, how you can be a part of it. This, is, this does not happen because my wife and I show up uh, you know, at 9.30 every Sunday morning. There are people that are causing this thing to move and to grow and to, to transform. And so if you want to discover more about Anchor Faith Church, maybe you've just got some questions that you want to get answered. Uh, make sure you come out Saturday morning. We start at 10 a.m. Uh, we'll also have lunch. We'll have child care for your children. Uh, we've got it all covered for you. Um, and we've got a little manual we'll go through. And uh, we'll just uh, get you acquainted with who we are at Anchor Faith Church and how you get to partner with us. We have a sign-up sheet in the back. Just fill that out so we can have an idea of who's coming since we've got food and things involved, child care involved, those type of things. Sign up, and that's all you got to do. And then you just show up on Saturday. But God's doing great things. I'm excited about what he's doing. Here we are four years in, and um, we're only going to increase. The best is yet to come. Amen. Uh, let's pray over our tithe and offering this morning, and we'll give. And dismiss. Father, we thank you for this time to give, for this time to sow and invest. Fathers, we honor your word. We know, we know that you will honor your word. When we honor your word to give, the tithe, the offering, Father, you honor your word to pour out the windows of heaven to pour a blessing on us that we can't even receive, Father. We thank you that you are moving in our lives and moving in our finances. We thank you that we can give you our heart as we give our check or give our dollar, whatever it is. You have our heart. We honor you and praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, this weekend, Friday, we've also got uh, our back-to-school bash for all of our elementary kids. If they are in the kindergarten through the fifth grade, drop your children off with us. They're going to have a fun time. They're going to have a great time together. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned and in store for them, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, we have child dedication coming up at the end of the month. If you have children, they haven't been dedicated to the Lord awesome opportunity to partake in. Uh, we do need you to sign up, and then uh, we've got some child info cards. I think everything is next door, so if you want to partake in that, uh, just fill out those cards, turn those in, and then uh, we'll do those right in the middle of our service on Sunday, August 30th at the end of the month. I know we've got other things going on. Uh, just stay tuned with Facebook and different things like that. We'll keep you updated. We love y'all. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll be back here Wednesday night. 7 p.m.